amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. The races. How's things in your area? All is well on this end. That's good. That's good. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm doing podcasting full time now. So, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to hit my intro. That's amazing. Okay. Okay. Hey, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic. Oh, it's playing or is it not playing? It's me. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. Um, I have a return guest back with me today. This is the uh, third time she's been on my show. Um, I thought it would be fun to do a live show with her because her information is so great. Um, and who I'm talking about is Dr. Shelley Kerr, uh, PhD. She's considered one of the world's leading authorities on energy healing and mind-body medicine. A world-renowned past life regressionist, Dr. Shelley's method of combining energy work with hypnosis has been endorsed by numerous leaders in the field of consciousness, including Dr. Brian Weiss, who was like basically the inventor of past life regressions. He called her work an important contribution to the field of regression therapy. Over the past 20 years, Shelley has trained thousands of practitioners on several cutting-edge healing techniques she developed that are all based on her belief that memories are stored holographically in the etheric fields and around our bodies. By combining hypnosis with energy feeling, lasting change is achieved. And uh, her website is drshellycare.com. And uh, I want to give her a big, warm welcome. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. It's pastlifelady.com. Sorry about that, Shelly. Oh, okay. It's pastlifelady.com. And I want to give her a big, warm welcome to the show. Dr. Shelley, thank you for coming back on. How are you? Rob, congrats on your show. It's such a hit. I love it. And thank you so much for having me back. 
Yeah. Um, I, I was going to, uh, for the people who might have not saw what some we did, I was going to cover kind of what we covered last time, but kind of try to go a little bit deeper on the subjects because um, I think they're so important. Like, you know, the whole topic of Egyptian energy healing is so interesting to me. And, and the whole thing of Edgar Casey, it seems like he was so far ahead of his time. Um, can I ask you this to start off? Like, did you feel like that maybe you were like, in some way like channeling Edgar Casey, or do you think like he was trying to speak through you when you were writing this book, The, the Egyptian Energy Healing? Wow, that is such a, a good question. Um, something was definitely happening. Um, if listeners and viewers are familiar with Edgar Casey, he was known as the world's greatest psychic. So he lived in the 1940s. And basically he was sickly when he was young and then he went to a hypnotherapist and when they put him in a trance, he went so deeply into trance that he began channeling all of this information that many people are still looking into today. And so I had written a couple of books about Edgar Casey and all of the gems and minerals that he was talking about. Those came out in the earlier 2000s. And then if you're a member of that organization, you can go into this database where you can actually dive in. Everybody can do this. Everybody watching can do this. Start diving into the 14,000 plus readings that he did. And I don't even know what I was doing, Rob, but I was in there doing something, researching something. And I came across this Egyptian uh, reading because there's a whole set of the life readings. What, what would happen, to be more clear, Casey would go to sleep. He didn't know what he was talking about, but somebody was taking notes and writing down all of the stuff that he was talking about. And so there's a whole section where Casey had given um, readings to individuals who he believed lived past lives in Egypt. And Casey would receive readings about himself and he was a high priest in Egypt. And so he was getting all this information about his life when he was a high priest. And I was reading that information when I saw that he laid out, he said something about the seven symbols for the stages of man's development. And he listed out this list and something just hit me in the head. And I went, oh my gosh, those should be drawn. This is a healing modality. I had developed other modalities before this um, in the earlier 2000s. So I don't know, I just saw it. Um, I talked to the organization and they ended up publishing it and then you know, people around the world are now doing this technique. It's very grounding. So something was going on. Um, was it Casey? Was it, you know, extraterrestrial guides? I was in the earlier 2000s um, when I was working as an energy healer in the beginning of my career. I was going to work at a spa in Santa Fe when I took a little break at a rest stop and I saw a blue being interdimensionally in my inner mind and I woke up, I looked around the rest stop, nobody was there, but it was more in, inside my mind's eye. I just saw this bright blue being um, with big brown eyes. And then I woke up, I thought, well, that was weird. I just won't say anything about it. And when I showed up to the spa to work, the girl behind the desk went, oh, and I went, what? And she goes, well, I just want to tell you, there's this bright blue lady standing behind you and she's going to teach you some things about healing. And so I do feel like I do have these guides who have been with me. So when I think about the Egyptian healing, what was weird is in the beginning of my career, the gem and mineral books that I wrote were very, very popular. I did this thing that I was calling galactic healing for a while, but I put it away in favor of some of these other things. And now I'm doing more past life regression work. So I've done a lot of different kinds of work over the years. But many years ago, 
the inner voice said, you know, you're going to develop something called Egyptian energy healing. And so that's when I, again, got hit in the head with this, this epiphany that this needed to be drawn. And then since then, I, I released a very short series um, that I self-published on more thoughts about Egyptian healing, where I take readers and students to encounter the deities that were worshipped in some of the many gnomes of, of ancient Egypt, which are like the city-states. So in Heliopolis, for example, they had Isis and Osiris. In Memphis, they had uh, Ta and Sekhmet, etc. Thebes. And so I go around the ancient world with these deities. And then that ended up evolving into a book that I have coming out in December called The Goddess Discovered, um, exploring the divine feminine around the world, which is going to have over 500 uh, female goddess deities in it, along with guided imagery and past life regressions and things. And that book was just, it took me years to write it. I wrote it for my students, the same students that started taking Egyptian healing. Um, I was supposed to go out and lecture. It didn't happen in 2020, just like all of us, we had plans. They didn't happen. I created an online school and then the same group that I created these other Egyptian techniques for, they really wanted to work with goddesses and things. So I didn't realize it was gonna take years to complete, but I feel like, I think people are gonna really love it because um, a lot of the content I'm trying to create now, whether it's Egypt and we're tapping into our past lives in Egypt, of which I believe a lot of us who are alive today did have past lives in ancient Egypt, but as we go through books like the goddess book and the one we're going to talk about in a little while, you know, I'm writing the history of ancient religions. And then the second half of the book is current modern living religions. And I feel like it's really beneficial for people to learn about different cultures, to learn about different people, to learn just a little bit about history, because we start to kind of wake up to like, who was I? Who was I in a past life? What is my purpose here? And then we can get all into, you know, another thing I had written about was um, my book, Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life, came out during the pandemic as well. And this is doing really conscious ancestral healing. So we have all these influences. And I really feel like the soul wants to encounter things that it is familiar with from the past. And so healing techniques can do that. Different kinds of guided imagery can do that. So um Anyway, that was a very long answer to your question, which is it's possible um, and yet it could actually be exactly what your viewers and listeners love, which is extraterrestrials or both. You know, you never know. It, it, it could be right. It's, it's so interesting. It's weird that we all have a connection. A lot of us because like I did a regression and then I, I don't know if I told you this last time, but the girl I was with at the time, like about like maybe five, six months ago, also did a regression. And we found out we both had a connection to Egypt. I know a lot of people in my audience feel like they have a connection to Egypt. What do you think it is about like this time right now that we're living in and a pastime to Egypt that like I mean, do you, do you think that maybe we're all like the sons and daughters of Atlantis and Egypt, you know, like in the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, they talk about, you know, the Thoth came, you know, from Atlantis and he went to the land of Chem and he raised up the hairy barbarians and he kind of started civilization there. So do you think it like kind of draws to that or if that was real, you know, I, I'm not saying it was or wasn't, you know, I'm just saying like, 
just given ideas, like, you know, to kind of speculate, but it seems like a lot of us have a connection to Egypt right now, if that makes any sense. It's a lot of people, you know what I mean? I totally agree. Um, I definitely believe that there are a lot of reincarnated Egyptians living now, as well as Atlanteans. Um, I live in the Dallas, Texas area. And many years ago, I started bringing this gemstone called Larimar here. I was the first person to bring it to town, which was a long time ago. Now it's real popular, but it's, um, it's found in one mine near the Dominican Republic. And it's very, very high frequency. It has ties to Atlantis. And I was just really told very clearly, there are a lot of Atlanteans here. We're trying to work it out. We're trying not to destroy civilization again. And um, my latest past life book, Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds, we get into a lot of Atlanteans. And part of that really comes to what we were re beginning this conversation with, which is Edgar Casey, Because I think part of what enables somebody to remember that they had a tie to Egypt or Atlantis or some of these other areas is because Casey talked about that in the life readings. He gave readings to a lot of reincarnated Egyptians. He talked about Atlantis. He talked about Lemuria, which was the civilization that predated Atlantis. And so one of the things I feel that also happens is that, you know, as we're getting more and more technologically advanced, we have access, as you know, like to programs like this and to really fascinating documentary films and things where we don't have to physically travel to a place anymore to really have a visceral feeling about it. And so in my latest work, like I talk really for the first time in any of my books about a lot about Mesopotamia and some of those really early times, in addition to, of course, Egypt. I talk a lot about Egypt everywhere because I love it. But I think then I've, I've started to have more people who have remembered their lives in some of the earlier times like Mesopotamia. So I think part of it is we found King Tut, the items were on earth. We, we went, you know, the soul just kind of goes, you know, we know what's familiar to us. And so as we start to get exposed to different kinds of content, um, it opens us up to remembering more of our lives. I, I agree. It's it's really interesting. One thing that you brought up that we didn't talk about before that I'd like to go over a little bit is um we I don't know if this was one of your first books or but when you when you wrote about the healing powers of gems and stones which ties into Edgar Casey and it, it ties kind of into everything like I'm a big believer in gems and stones as well like like what drew you to that and like what made you want to write that book and um and if you could tell us a little bit about it because I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I um, was working as an energy healer. I had had a near-death experience in 2000. And then when I came back from that experience, I had energy running in my hands and just all these mystical experiences. So I went on a journey to try to figure out what was going on. And so I was out doing healing work at a metaphysical store and the owner just needed people to teach classes. And right before that happened, I had a Native American friend who actually taught me that you could lay stones on and that it would send energetic frequencies to the body. At first, I thought this was silly until he placed a piece of fluoride on my forehead and I started having a lot of energy and I thought, oh my gosh. So I started just sitting with the stones, placing them on my third eye, and I was starting to understand things about them. I never read any books about this. Later, when I did peek into some of the books, um, some of the people were saying the same exact things that I was saying, which made me understand that stones really are a consciousness, kind of like listening to music, like you could listen to jazz 
And everybody who wants to listen to jazz listens to one frequency or one YouTube channel or whatever. Everybody else could listen to classical or rock or whatever you want. The stones are similar. They all have a frequency. And depending on what it is that you're trying to draw to yourself, whether it's, you know, abundance, whether it's health, whether it's just inner peace, different stones bring different things energetically to us. So long story, but um, I'm very good friends with Dr. Raymond Moody and Brian Weiss, which you mentioned earlier. And Dr. Moody introduced me to the people at the Casey Foundation. And uh, they gave me a book that was put out in 1960, where somebody used to have to go through a card catalog file to look at the Casey readings and pull this stuff out by hand. And this little book called Casey on Gems and Stones only had 20 items in it that probably took years to put together, literally. And I and this woman gave it to me and I gave her some of my books and something just said I was going out to Tucson Gem and Mineral Show at the time, driving across the desert. And a lot of things occurred to me during those desert drives. And I was getting, oh, I need to contact these people and see if they want me to update this book. And so literally the day before I contacted them, they were in a meeting holding up the book going, can somebody please find somebody who can update this book? So I was really led to go over there. And then I, I've had a long relationship with them. That first book was called um, Edgar Casey's Guide to Gemstones, Minerals, Metals, and More. That is definitely channeled. It, was, uh, it is a book filled with things that Casey talked about concerning the periodic table of elements. I was, um, you know, I'm, I don't want to brag, but I was a D student um, <laughs> in chemistry. <laughs> so to think that I wrote something about the periodic table is ridiculously unbelievable. Um, but it talked about all of the minerals and how they show up in the periodic table. And then many years later, um, I just stumbled across, again, another reading. And I said, oh, my gosh, you know, there's unfinished business here. So I wrote another whole book. Uh, called Edgar Casey Sacred Stones. That one's real popular. We're talking about something that I've been wanting to discuss for years, which is the stones that are found in the breastplate of the high priest in the book of Exodus and the Bible. I was just fascinated with this. I was kind of getting tired of people telling me that gem healing is evil. And I'm thinking it's in your Bible. These things that we're talking about, they've been known by civilizations, you know, since the beginning of time, this is not evil. This is the things that creator, God source, whatever you want to call that animating force put on this earth for us to use. <laughs> so the book gets into that. It gets into, you know, Atlantis, Lemuria and things like that. And then I wrote another book. Um, the first book I put out on my own came out in 2002 called Gemstone Journeys. It's endorsed by Greg Braden and Jonathan Goldman and the Casey Foundation. That came out long before um, they hired me to do these other books. And strangely, I was just talking to George Norrie on Coast to Coast. That book is now over 20 years old, Rob. I mean, what's up? I don't know. But the thing is, the, the, the truth about why stones work, it's just as valid now as it was 20 years ago or 2,000 or 3,000 or 5,000, 10,000 years ago. It works. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I want to find out which stones are really the most valuable in your opinion, not money wise, but like spirituality wise, because I noticed I was um, really sensitive to stuff like I, I've had people send me organite, you know, I have like one right here, I have a, a 
pyramid. It's under it's under my desk. I keep it under my desk near my router. But I mean, I have a whole bunch of crystals and stuff. But like I've noticed when I first got the organite, I got a, a, the a feeling to put the pyramid over my third eye and like lay down. And when I did that, it was sending me incredible amounts of energy. But also, I'm energy sensitive. So when I touch a stone or I touch a crystal or uh, something i get a charge from it like you know i don't know if everybody's like that but i think most people are because i think we're all psychic to a degree and i think most of these stones can affect us do you feel i mean like so it's a two-part question i was gonna say what are your favorite ones to use and then also like do you feel like everybody can be somewhat sensitive to these let me answer the sensitive question first so i make sure i answer that um i think from talking about this for so many years, some people are more sensitive than others. You have sensations. I definitely have a lot of feelings when I'm around stones. Some people may not. So if people are watching this and they're going, well, that, I've just never felt anything with this. Um, that still does not mean it doesn't work. It's still affecting you, whether you can feel it or not. But the first time that I really started to sense it, at first I didn't sense anything because what happens is, I've got a crystal here in my hand. So you lay the stone on, you might not feel anything. You've got to give it a, just a minute. And then you, sometimes you'll feel this, you know, like it's almost like riding the wave of the frequency. It rises and then it kind of tapers off. And during that time, it's creating an energetic shift in the person. So I talk about a lot of different kinds of stones in all my books. I do have what I consider the top healing stone of all time that was a book that I wrote called Top 10 Healing Stones. Um, and I still think the same of it today. And that is the bloodstone. So there's a lot of like mystical stories about different gems and minerals. And the bloodstone is like a dark green stone with red flecks in it. And the red flecks are hematite, which is that iron ore. You see a lot of that um, silver metallic inexpensive jewelry that you see in places. So, but it shows up in the bloodstone as a red color. So the bloodstone, spiritually speaking, they say is the stone that was under Christ. And so what happens is I had a client many years ago who was very ill with some kind of a condition. Nobody could figure out what was wrong with him. He came to one of my gem healing classes, took a bloodstone, with him and then he left his cell phone or something i had to go meet him this was many years ago when cell phones weren't as good as they are now i said well i'll meet you i'll bring you the phone and he said hey i gotta show you something he took the little stone out of his pocket it was just a tumbled stone dark green but it looked like somebody had gone in there and, and took a chomp out of it like it was caved in and it was as if he had actually absorbed some of the physical properties of the stone in his body and so I started talking about this um, on some of my earlier appearances on Coast to Coast many years ago. I was, I've been on there since 2005 and people from all over the world started carrying these things. And then they started seeing that this was happening also. So the stone is allowing us to absorb some of its properties in order to heal. Now, people want to know, well, did the guy get, you know, resolved from the bloodstone? I mean, there was a many, many things he did. At the end of the day, this is kind of an interesting thing. He was living in this um, home that was burning to the ground every seven years. And so finally, after past life regressions, energy healing, gemstones and all the others, I said, well, why don't you just move? And he didn't want to move, but he finally did. And then he immediately got better because some places just are no good. So I can't say the bloodstone, you know, 
did the job, but again, stones are just here to energetically support us. And uh, it's to me, it's still one of the most powerful because I think it helps us to be able to see a physical thing when we're discussing paranormal things so that we know something real is definitely happening here. And this has happened now, like I said, with thousands of people all over the world have experienced this now. I, I agree. It's it's interesting, right? Um, one thing that you mentioned when we started talking about this is you mentioned your near-death experience, and we never talked about that before. I didn't know if you were comfortable talking about it or at least like giving us an idea of what happened. Like, or, or do you not not want to talk? It's up to you. I, I just I, I I'm I'm fascinated by that. Like I'm I really am. And and also before you like it was that kind of what set you on this path to like do healing and everything. Yes. Um, yeah, I will definitely talk about that. I my book Life Stream, which is the first book I put out about past lives, is now twenty years old. Also, so while I was reviewing that, it was just reminding me of things that happened a very very long time ago that I hadn't thought of in a while. So there's always multiple things going on. One was that a friend of mine passed away. Um, I experienced seeing his apparition in a window. And then he came back many years later. I got a regression um, because he was appearing again. And I realized that we had known each other in many lifetimes. And then around the same time, I started to become very, very hypersensitive to sounds and energy. And I started hearing the inner voice and something said, hey, there's something wrong with your heart. You are not going to live much longer. And I thought, wow, that's weird. And I didn't have an accident or anything, but one night I just lifted up out of my body and I found myself in a space with beings of light, faceless beings. I recognized um, my dad's mother, my grandmother, who had died before I was born. I recognized her from a picture I had seen. But other than that, they were faceless beings. And it was all very um, cerebral, very nonverbal. But this idea that I need to come back. So I find myself back in my apartment I called a friend. My heart really was um, having a challenge. So I went to the ER. They could see I had very, very low blood pressure, like in the 40s. So they hooked me up to some machines, but they could never figure out what was wrong with me. And by the next day, I was fine. And so they just called it a virus. They sent me home. And then that's when I started having just unbelievable sensations that were completely out of my awareness. Energy just rushing down one side and rushing up the other energy coming out of my hands. I knew I could lay my hand on and I could draw off energy and just all of this other strange things that were happening. Um, I had no context to what this was. I had never been around any of this. So I started, you know, looking like, what is this? And I started learning about Reiki. I took different healing, quantum touch. I mean, all kinds of different, whatever healing modality I could get my hands on. Uh, Vietnamese modality for a while and different things, just trying to figure out what was going on. And then during that time, that's when um, a blue being showed up. And so it's just been a, a very strange, <laughs> long journey and a lot of books later. Um, but you know what's weird is I, I still think the same things now after more experience, the same things that I was shown in that space about why thoughts are sitting in our energy fields, about how, why healing works, why we can talk about our past lives, but we need to address those things energetically. I am as much a believer in that today as I was when I was shown all these things and I didn't understand what they mean, you know? 
Yeah, it's fascinating. It makes me wonder. I always ask people like their stories because it makes me think that like something like like set you on this path and now look at you like you've done over like 10 to 12 appearances on Coast to Coast AM. You have many books written and and you're you're a PhD like and and you're 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 a specialist in these fields of like past life regression. So, it's interesting to hear how what set people on their path. But it sounds like at that time it sounds like you were having like a spiritual awakening because what's happening to me and I've talked about this on my show recently is I'm having like energy sensations in my body, my pineal glands tingling, my crowns tingling, my psychic abilities are increasing. It's very strange. Like I've never experienced anything like this in my life. So, I like to ask other people what happened to them to kind of gauge what's happening with me, if that makes any sense. Yes. And along those lines, it's a, it's come to my awareness, which I did not know then. There is something that everybody goes through called a Saturn return, which happens, um, you know, maybe between 25 and 30 years old. And then you have a second Saturn return as you approach 60, if you're still here by then. And so um, it's come to my awareness I have to say that the part of what was going on was the Saturn return. I, I'm not an astrologer. I know just enough to be dangerous, but there was definitely some astrological influences there. And so that's why if you talk to a lot of people, you might discover that this is maybe the times when things were really hitting the fan, you know, and that certainly was the case for me. It's, it's during this particular Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Period of one's life where you kind of get a jar and you're going to get kicked onto the path that you are supposed to be on. I mean, even though I was just a regular salesperson, I mean, I, this was completely like out of left field, you know, and then I got kicked onto a completely different trajectory. That's interesting. Um, One thing you mentioned when we were talking about Casey, before we get into the past life stuff, is you mentioned the nine deities that ruled Heliopolis. And I guess this could kind of tie into your new book that you're writing about the goddesses as well. Um, what, who were the nine deities that ruled, ruled Heliopolis and, and more so? Um, what's the idea that people can energetically connect to them in places where they live? That like people get some kind of 
you know, resonance with that. It's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah, the gist of these books um, is this idea that if you go through a past life regression, as we've discussed, lots of people love Egypt, but yet don't we want to know more about that? So a lot of the books that I've been writing lately are trying to help the reader and the student to get in touch with more details about that. We all can agree that we all love Egypt, but where did you really live? And so I, again, I don't know, I, I do admit, yes, I channel this, um, that when we dig in and look at the, the city-states in Nome, Heliopolis being one, Memphis being the other, um, the Ogdode of Hermopolis, the Theban Triad, these are groups of deities. And in each one of these city-states, it was not always, like not everybody thought that Osiris and Iris and Isis were, you know, all that. In Memphis, they really worshiped Sekhmet and Ta. So they had totally different creation stories, totally different religious beliefs in terms of how the universe started um, out of the void and things like that. So in this series, I'm inviting people to, again, learn a little history about the gnomes of Egypt. In Heliopolis, it began with a tomb, and then a tomb had um, a use set. Sometimes I don't know if I'm actually pronouncing these right. I have my ways to pronounce things. And then they then gave rise to all of the other deities in creation, including um, Nephthys and Set, et cetera, et cetera. So these were the deities that they worshipped. And so when we we can walk through a doorway and just meet with them and say hello to them and see if they have messages for us. And for some people, these types of journeys really do bring up a lot of um, past life memories. My most vivid memories were really with Memphis. Like I've been to Egypt, but it, I haven't been since 2000. That's kind of the other thing that was going on during right before I had this trip into the light tunnel. I had just gotten back from a trip to Egypt. I went to Cairo. I went down to Luxor and down to Aswan, where the Aswan Dam is and stuff, but I never made it over to the Memphis area. But I had begun in the last, somewhere in between 2000 and now, I, I had started having dreams about this pyramid I had never seen before until I saw it on the History Channel, the, the pyramids, the Step Pyramid of Dozier. And when we were doing this, the, the selection of deities who are known as the Memphis Triad, when we started doing that, I started having very vivid memories. And I said, oh my gosh, I saw that that's right near Memphis. And I realized that that's, I've definitely had a past life there. And so many of the other students, um, one of them was really attracted to Hermopolis. There are these um, very murky primordial deities there. And so, um, you know, and, and I love Thebes. I loved Luxor when I was there. I didn't want to leave. And so you start feeling that, when you tune into different areas, specific areas, you start having different feelings. You might want to run kicking and screaming down the street, or you might say, oh my gosh, I want to move here. This is wonderful. Or you may just be completely neutral. And so you start to tune into like more details about your soul journey that can really help you, in my opinion, with understanding the things that we're doing in this life, because that's really the reason why it's helpful to know these things, because we all have a journey. We all have a purpose. And so by remembering who we were in the past, you know, we can make this situation right now better. 
That's interesting. I, I find that that fascinating. I'd love to go to Egypt and like experience like because I, I feel like I would have, especially now that I'm more spiritually awake, I feel like I would have some real like memories. One thing that you mentioned that I thought was interesting before was um, you said your new book, base it's on like 500 goddesses. I didn't even know there was that many goddesses. And you say you talk a little bit about Mesopotamia. And do you cover like Ninhartsag or, or Ninma, who was, was like the Anunnaki goddess, and then also Inanna, I'm guessing? Yes, yes, I do. Um, yeah, this book was so difficult to research because, you know, you can go out on the internet, but not all the stuff out on the internet is correct. So, you know, I've got like 40, literally 40 pages of bibliographical notes to put this together to make sure this is really accurate. What we were wanting the students who you know kind of inspired me to put this together was is there not one place where we can just really get accurate information about these deities and so kind of like what i was saying earlier yes we have the deities that you mentioned um in mesopotamia and yeah if you really dig i mean the reality is there's countless deities that were worshipped throughout the beginning of time you know before writing before even oral history started helping people to pass these things down. But we go through a soul journey. I, I'm hoping readers will really engage with tuning in, you know, to Mesopotamia, tuning into like the Celts, um, obviously the Egyptians, uh, it goes into the Norse mythology, the Greeks and the Romans. I really, um, got swept away by the Roman mythology. I was also told that there's a lot of reincarnated Romans here in the States right now. You know, we're trying to get the Republic to go again. I don't know if it's going to make it. We'll see, you know. Um, and then in the second half of the book, looking at the living religions from Africa, from Asia, the Hindu um, pantheon, which I am totally enthralled with. I've been to India a couple of times. So whether you've been to any of these places or not, though, I feel like I create guided journeys and things to help you kind of tune into that how and I'm asking you I'm inviting you like how does this make you feel you know does it feel familiar or we need to yeah if you've done your ancestry.com stuff and you actually know like for example my ancestry um, is some of them are from Ireland so there was a definitely different feeling when I was dealing with the Celts than with some of the others I was kind of almost going oh my gosh I feel kind of intimidated like like I better not mess this stuff up you know it was just a really deep feeling because they're starting to prove through um, CDC studies and things that we are carrying forward in our DNA trauma and even memories and personality traits of our ancestors. And so when we start to engage with materials like this and, and in the book, Ancient Lands, I'm doing the same thing. I'm walking people through the ancient world from were you a hunter gatherer? Were you in Mesopotamia? Were you in Egypt? All the way forward through time just saying, you know, how do I feel? If I had talked to you maybe even five or six years ago, I would have thought, well, most of that's probably just your past life influences. But many years ago, I developed that process of sending light to ancestors. And when that book came out in 2021, I've just heard from people all over the world about this now. You know, there's a real opening now to this idea that many of the influences that we are feeling in our bodies, in our environment, in our desires for like what we like to eat or where we might like to travel are actually things that are inside our DNA that are being brought forth from the ancestors. And so this is a whole world, you know, that is opening up so much 
that hadn't really been part of the Western world as much. It's, it's really in some of the other cultural traditions from around the world. And so um, I'm really excited to see, you know, how this will affect people. I know that it definitely affected me putting it together. And I'm hoping that just by learning about the diversity and, and also the commonality, all people want the same thing. You know, we're really not that different. We want love, we need our health, and we need something to eat and a roof over our head. And when we start to see how alike we are, and then we can embrace all of the different ways that we express that, I hope it's something that can bring people together in some ways as well. Yeah, that's fascinating. One thing you mentioned was us inheriting traits from our ancestors. Um, this is the this is the concept of uh, soul retrieval. Not, I mean, there's a technique called soul retrieval, right, where a person meets a higher self or a loved one and receives virtues or aspects that they've lost along the way, and it's kind of related to ancestral healing. Is that is that correct? There can be soul retrieval, yes, in ancestral healing. Um, I've got another book called Journeys Through the Akashic Records, where readers walk through a door and start opening up different doors. And in that space, we can really receive um, soul gifts and things from ancestors. We could receive them from a loved one, from a parent, from a friend. So yeah, it's very powerful. Basically, you ask the person, hey, is there anything that you have that belongs to me? Let me take that back and then let me give you what's yours, even if that's just love or it's support. And it's very, very healing and empowering. That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I knew someone personally who went through soul retrieval and she said it, it literally changed her life. Like, and she was trying to get me to do it. And I was like, well, we'll see, you know, but um, have you had, a, do you do soul retrieval? And like, have you, have you saw like um, a lot of good results from it? Yeah, you know, speaking of what I mentioned earlier, when I was told there was something wrong with my heart. So I mentioned a friend of mine had died. And when I met him in the unified field, when I found that we had known each other in many lifetimes, I was guided to ask him if he had anything that belonged to me. He had my heart. And so I picked it up. I saw a little organ and I picked it up like this is all in the inner world. And I put it back and then I didn't have that problem anymore. So um it was very healing. And so in the book um, that I wrote called Journeys Through the Akashic Records is where people can find that. That one was just voted book of the year by the Coalition of Visionary Resources. It's got lots of guided journeys for that kind of soul work, um, finding your soul family and things like that. That's fascinating. Um, one thing that we didn't cover yet tonight was um, past lives and ancient lands. Um, I figured maybe we could get into that as like the last segment of the show. Um, Wherever you want to go with it, I know you you good you you kind of go into like Lemuria and Atlantis, and you even touch on Casey with that. Is that correct? Yes, this book um, is divided into a couple of different parts. Part one is the ancient world, so we start out with um, prehistory hunter gatherers and people who went into those past lives. A lot of times those clients are releasing fears and things like that. We go into Mesopotamia, Egypt, and all of the typical ancient world. And then in part two, I talk about um, the three stages of Atlantis from the earliest times when they were migrating, these early people, um, to a lot of people who believe that they lived in Atlantis and they worked as energy healers. So there's a lot of stories about people doing healing work in Atlantis. And then the end of Atlantis, um, many, again, a lot of this is taken from the Casey readings. This is why I have so many clients who follow the Casey material, that there's a lot of them who believe that they were there in the things that Casey had described. So 
Um, they believe that, you know, some believe they were there during the destruction of Atlantis and maybe they caused it. And so there, there's a lot of people who feel like in this life, they're here to do good, to make up for things that happened in the past. And then I get into um, one of the journeys where we go to the beginning of time and people can experience themselves as a little light bubble in the universe. There's a case study about a man who flies around in a ship. And if you've got um, soul contracts with interdimensional extraterrestrial beings, we can meet with them. And if it's a good contract and we like what we're doing, great. But if it's not, then we can wrap up the business negotiation and send them on their way and be done with any soul contracts. So I think if, if nothing else, I hope it's entertaining. Um, Shirley MacLaine did send the book to her mailing list. So I was pretty excited about that. And it's endorsed by Linda Moulton Howe and my friend George Norrie wrote the foreword. So um, I hope it's a minimal entertaining. And then again, my bigger hope would be I'm inviting you on a journey. I'm giving you a little tiny history lesson and I'm just inviting you to say, how do you feel? So that by the end of the book, you decide, well, I want to go check out Mesopotamia or I want to go see if I ever, you know, lived in a spaceship. And you can use the regression journey that I provide to go find those answers about your soul journey. That's awesome. Oh, by the way, um, would you want to take one or two audience questions? Like they're, they're not like live or anything. They just come through the chat and I pick the best ones. Sure. If, okay. So guys, if you're, if you, uh, want to put your comment if you want to put your questions in the chat i'll try to get to them whoever has the best question or whatever i think is the best question i'll pick it and i'll you know and i'll ask shelly but um with that said what you mentioned george nori and i i was thinking about your coast to coast interview because i i had a question that something that you talked about um okay it's about people who've had past lives where they're a famous person that you said that they they're tapping into an archetypal energy or collective unconscious can you talk about that a little bit? And I, I was trying to understand that because I don't know why I'm not getting it, but I'm, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, what's interesting about the regressions that I've done is most of the time there, there are no famous people involved. These are regular people just trying to get through their lives, et cetera. Um, but they're not doing, you know, they're a farmer or they live in a village or whatever. They're, they're just kind of hanging out. But once in a while, somebody believes that they were a, the reincarnation of someone famous. And so George and I have this long running thing that we like to talk about, which is about one of the callers who calls into the show who believes at a soul level that she was Cleopatra. And I had regressed, um, I, I thought it was Cleopatra's, but I remembered now it was a bunch of Nefertiti's at the beginning of my career in Dallas. There was about six people who told me that they were Nefertiti. And this is in my book, Livestream. And so after, you know, the second or third, I have to ask myself, hmm, you know, things that make you go, hmm. Um, I remember that song. <laughs> yeah, it's an old one. Um, you know, what is this? You know, Carl Jung, the Swiss philosopher, believed that things that we all think together create like a big thought form of consciousness. Like if we think of a pirate. Now we might think of Johnny Depp, but normally we'll think about a guy with a, with a little peg leg and a patch over his eye or whatever. Or we think about a princess or a queen, you know. And so there's some concepts in humanity that are so universal, everybody knows what they are. So sometimes if somebody says, well, I was Queen Nefertiti, then I might say, well, maybe she's tapping into a, like a queen archetype. But the bottom line is that when they're in that space and I say, great, so you're Nefertiti. So 
how does that life that you live there apply to the things that we're doing here in the current life? And everybody has a story that they can tell about how this thing from the past, no matter what it is, whether I was flying around in a spaceship or whether I was Nefertiti or I was just some bum on a street, that whatever they've seen there, I can ask them like, what is that? And how is that relating to your life now? And why are you bringing that up now? Why is it important? And everybody's got an answer to that. So at the end of the day, whether they saw it on the Discovery Channel, whether they're making it up, maybe they're tapping into a collective archetype or whatever, you know, to me, the healing from it has to do with, do you feel better? I mean, does this knowledge or this story that you're using to explain a problem that you have in the now, it's kind of like just getting out of your problems and being able to look at them from a totally different perspective. It's so healing and beneficial that to me, that's really all that matters. Yeah, that is. But I think I'm understanding it now. And you know, what's interesting. I just was talking with my friend, Bryson. He, he, he watches my show, but he also runs the, my Discord group. And I was explaining to him what I, I said to someone else the other day. And he had the same idea that a lot of times when, and I think, I think, I, I think I'm on the same lines with you is from what I said. I think what, uh, what I was saying was um, a lot of times when people have these past life memories, when they, like, it seems like a lot of people end up being like, you know, like you said, Cleopatra or something like are they tapping into like um, I said like a I think Bryson said a field and I said yeah like like almost like like the the Akash like they're tapping into the Akashic records like like because if we're all one and you know like we, we there really is no separation between all of us why couldn't we tap into somebody else's life if that makes any sense is that kind of where you're going with that or no yes yes that's I think sometimes that happens because you know we're just kind of part the Akashic records, you know, aren't really a real place. In my book, I take us to like a library. We can pretend like it's in a library, but the truth is it's a web of consciousness that we can just go out and pick up information, you know, that's happening because all time is happening now, as you know. So, you know, we can just go in and pick up some of these different pieces of information and it's coming into our awareness through our, you know, psychic sense and stuff like that. And so I think that does happen. But to me, again, it, hey, if it makes you feel better, then I'm all for it. You know, I think, you know, everybody wants to be happy. Everybody deserves to be happy in this life as best as we can. It's difficult, of course. But if it makes you feel better, then yes. Yes. Yeah. And then um, you also said that um, some individuals may be aware of their past lives kind of through kind of like a soul knowing and they really don't need regression. Um, is that true? Or have you encountered a lot of people like that? That. I guess would apply to that lady I mentioned a minute ago. She just knows she's Cleopatra. She hasn't necessarily had a past life regression or, you know, I used to tell people, oh yeah, I know I've lived in England in a past life. You know, I just know it. I don't really need to go to a past life regression to know that. So Carl Jung talked about that. Plato, the Greek philosopher, was the first person who described this phenomenon, which he calls a soul knowing. It's anamnesis. There's a term for it that Carl Jung, the Swiss, um, philosopher also discussed sometimes we just know we know what we know and it just is and you know nobody can argue with that part but what I also started studying was I made up a word um, that I call supretrovy which is a supernaturally externally induced past life memory it's not am anamnesis I did not know this but I was you know traveling to Russia and I, suddenly I'm near a carriage and I start having dizzy spells and having a little memory of when I lived there before or clients are in a modern city and suddenly 
just like this. We're not talking about long, but just for a second. What, all the buildings fade away and they go, doing. they're seeing like how it looked hundreds of years ago or something. So these things can happen also very, very quickly. Um, I think that the soul, you know, remembers all the things that we've done before. We're, we're seeking to find who we really are by exploring familiar places, whether, again, whether that's on TV or whether we actually go to these places doesn't really matter. We're trying to find familiar people, familiar places. And this is something in his own way that Casey talked about also, you know, we're going to try to get our soul group and figure out what our purpose is and things like that. Yeah. And then you even got into, you get in a little bit, you get into future memories. Is that correct? Yes. I've always done future memories. Um, I think, well, a caveat to that. So yes, we could theoretically travel out thousands of years beyond here, but I've never really found that very, you know, useful. So um, at the beginning in my first book, which is called Journeys into Past and Future Lives, we go out <clears throat> into your current life, bless you, future. Thank you. To a moment in your current life future where you're happy, you're healthy, everything's working out because we're going out into the multiverse of all the realm of possibilities. You know, the happy place is there also. So just go to the happy place. And so let's say that's even two weeks from now. Okay, great. What are you doing? And you're at this pinnacle of success, whatever that is. So you can start to notice, oh, wow, you know what? I read the book and then I went to the seminar and then I met this person and bam, 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 bam. You can start to notice the steps that you're going to take to create what you want to create. And then, of course, you would have to come back from the session. Um, this is really the clincher. And you would have to start following the steps that you told yourself so that you can move into those spaces. And, and the people who do that have created you know, really amazing things for themselves. It would be, it was, it's like future progression. Someone commented in the chat because it's almost like timelines aren't set in stone, if that makes any sense. And that gets kind of gets into like, like, can you time travel to the future? It's like, I know people have said they've tried to time travel to the future and, you know, like people who claim to time travel. And they said that like, when they went to try to go to a future event, it's been like fuzzy or like, you know, like, like there wasn't anything there because they tried saying, well, they were saying that like the future's not in stone. It could be so many different things because every decision we make affects our reality. That I don't know if that makes any sense or no. I'm, I don't, you know. It does. Um, so much to say. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it's, that's you a know tough the question. grandfather paradox. Like if I travel into the past and then something happens to my grand and I kill my grandfather, then I can't be born and stuff like that. There's actually new studies right now um, where they're proving why that might not even be true because of the way time is bending and the multiverse and all this. It's very cerebral. <laughs> it's very that, that, that is, that's above my pay rally, But um, <laughs> so it's not really true. You know, when I, when I work with clients, normally when I go back, we're not really changing things, but we always send light and love to people in past lives or sending it to our ancestors. So the idea, like particularly when we send to our ancestors, we can start to sense, if I send some light to the ancestors several generations from now, the person is observing the higher self of a family member or a parent or something like that. And then they can start sensing that they start to feel lighter as a result of a healing that they sent to somebody five generations back. And so it's kind of far out, but you know, I figure, it's, it's Hey, cool though. That's really cool. cool. And for some people, it really works wonders. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, th that's all the questions I had. And we, we didn't get I mean, we had like 40 people watching, but we didn't get any questions from the audience. Maybe people are shy today. But um, did you did you have any um, anything else you want to cover for today before we finish up or anything else you want to talk about? Um, I just want to thank you again for having me on the show. And I'm just so excited. So many people are watching your show. It's well deserved. Um, there's just so many interesting things to explore, you know, and I, I feel that every person, all of you out there, you know, there's only one of you. There will only ever be one of you. You have a very unique purpose, a very unique journey that you're on. And I just think it's interesting to engage in programs like this and other things that are helping us remember, you know, all the talents you have and, and all of the good times and, and the resources that you really have on a spiritual level that can help you get through tough times when you do encounter them in your current life. Um, because there's a lot of interesting things going on in this universe. So, yeah, I agree. It, it, but this has been, it's, I think this was the best interview we did. I think it, it, it turned out really well. But um, did, can you tell everybody your website? I think you have two websites, right? And uh, and thank you so much. Thanks so much, Rob. The, the main one they can check out is pastlifelady.com. And from there, all of my stuff's there. There's a book link and um, I've got a YouTube channel and things like that. You can check it out. I, I still have ShellyCare.com, if you can spell this name here that you see under my face. <laughs> and that one now will forward on to my book page on Amazon.com. But my main page is Past Life Lady. They can check me out on Facebook at either Shelly Care or Past Life Lady and on Instagram at Shelly Care. Well, thank you, Shelly. This was an amazing. And until next time, everybody, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And all the links will be in the description. And, uh, yeah, just thanks again. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.